This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. There are some things in life that are worth saving, and there are some things that are not. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, on this Tuesday. Chris Carlin here, Joe Fartenbaugh over there. Joseph, good morning. Good morning to you. Big Tuesday here, lots to get to. We teased it yesterday. We have an extraordinary bet that we are going to be laying out today in the National Hockey League. It will be happening later in the show. We're still working out the details, but we know exactly what we're going to play, Carlin. And I've been running very cold the last few days. Your boy needs this one. A bit a bit nippy. A bit nippy, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Victor Webb and Yama, that's over. That's, that's done. Yeah. It turns out he's he's flawless now. Now that he's done committing turnovers, he's literally flawless. It's like James Carville. That answer was literally perfect. <laughs> we have no rebuttal. Right. In old school. It's Carla versus Joe on ESPN Radio. And we are excited to get going to talk some football and to talk some Aaron Rodgers because I watched the New York Jets last night as they fall to four and four on the year, Joe. And... I can't sit here and tell you anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I have tried my best to keep hope alive for the New York Jets in 2023. I have tried my best to tell you that you should absolutely believe that this is worth hanging on to. Not as to when Rodgers would come back. No, 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 no. As to whether or not this season is actually at the point for the Jets where you can see a light at the end of the tunnel where there's actual progression in a quarterback and there's actual progression in an offense. Joe, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Last night, if I could just share this with you, after sack number five, I'm sitting downstairs. (laughs) Sack number five, mid-first quarter. Yes. I'm sitting downstairs watching the game, and my wife from upstairs yells, Ha! More like sack, Wilson! (laughs) And I just, my spirit was broken, and I'm not even a Jet fan. It's one of those things where you're watching and you're just like, I can't believe I'm watching this guy. And you can hear it in Troy Aikman. You can hear it in other analysts watching Zach Wilson play this year. Let's just start there. The the utter disgust and just disbelief that he is in the NFL the way he plays. Well, you want to get excited for these primetime games because it's the last game of the week. It's Monday night. We're all coming off work, whether you're in the broadcast booth and you're calling the game for a living or whether you're one of us watching the game for a living. You want to get excited. You understand that, you know, maybe you won't get a great game because it's the Jets offense, but maybe it could at least be competitive. And then almost instantaneously, there's a special teams touchdown, which teams like the Jets can't afford to give those up. That just can't happen when Zach Wilson's your quarterback. You got to be buttoned up everywhere else. You got to be buttoned up with coaching, with defense, with your running game, with your O-line. You have too much you have to compensate. You have to overcompensate for because of the quarterback position. So right then and there, you come out and you play like that to open the game. You're going to dig a hole. And then somehow, someway, the Chargers just, you know, didn't charge her last night. They did what they needed to do. They allowed the Jets to lose the football game. They took their victory. They head home for a big one against Detroit. But with the focal point on the Jets, I'm glad you're finally moving over to big boys camp here. You know, I told you from the beginning, I was trying to say, look, is this this the hill Chris Carlin wants to die on? The we should not give up on the Jets just yet hill? So you're off it. Good for you. 
Good for you. Now we can move on to bigger and better things. Let me tell you something. There are plenty of hills that there are fat dead bodies on, and this is not going to be one of them. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, sir. I will not be dying here today. But you know who will? Who's that? Robert Sala. Take a listen to this after the game. I, I don't know if you could say step back. You know, there's, like I said, there's, it's all encompassing. Like, um, you know, obviously he's going to want some things that he he wishes he could have done better. You know, we, from from protection to, to, it's just a little bit of everything. It's just uh, one of those bizarre games. It just, every time we had momentum, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound. Uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No, I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game. I miss Jim Mora. I miss Jim Mora looking and just being irrepressibly himself in moments like this and just being able to actually express the truth as opposed to saying, was it his best game? Well, no, but boy, it wasn't his worst. Oh, my dear God. I, I appreciate it, though, because to be honest, how many locker rooms has Mora lost in his career? I mean, that, that, that type of conversation may have worked back I, then I to an extent, but... He, isn't he also the, the guy that walked out on the Saints midway I, through the season? I, I just mean in the moment. That's I know. All. No, I get it. It's just the, the point to Salah is he's, he's at the very least, he's not going to lose his positivity. And I think that that's, I'm not going to say commendable, but it's something. Because he's the head of this thing right now. And he can't afford to let this spiral out of control. They got the Raiders this week. The Raiders are a team that's a week removed from firing their head coach and everybody in the locker room celebrating. Like, that's how bad the situation was. They all hated Josh McDaniels. The culture was a disaster. They remove him from the situation. They play their best game of the year. Everyone's excited to be going to work again. Salah, that's kind of his job right now. You can coach these guys up, but the reality is you're only going so far with Wilson at quarterback. Don't lose the locker room. And while we sit here and we say, how can you continue to speak like this about Zach Wilson? He has no other option. Can't throw him under the bus because then you're going to lose the locker room and then it's going to get really messy, starting with whether or not he's brought back next season. Yeah, well, at this point, Joe, I don't care what the schedule says. I, I was focused on that a few weeks ago. Oh, they've gotten through the tough part of their schedule. And, you know, listen, they can still salvage some things here. With Aaron Rodgers now factoring into this, telling Derwin James after the game last night when Derwin James said, what are you coming back? And he said a few weeks. Can we stop? And it's not – I'm not getting on Aaron for this. This is not worth saving. This is not worth putting himself back out there. I don't care what – his version of voodoo medicine says, okay, whatever. There's just common sense that sometimes actually prevails in situations like this. And I feel like the Jets almost need to protect him from himself. Shannon Sharp made a great point this morning at the beginning of first take. You get to that point in your career when you're Aaron Rodgers and something like this happens and you realize that there, is, there are not many ticks left on the clock. And you're going to do some things to try to get back and, and to try to get the most out of something that you can. And he probably right now looks at himself as somebody that may very well be able to salvage this. Joe, let's look at some realities here. <clears throat> Are the Jets an unbelievable football team top to bottom that's just missing a quarterback? No. no. They, they have some playmakers on offense. They have a pretty good defense that keeps them in most games. I'm, I'm starting to get away from the elite part of it. But 
I also saw Aaron Rodgers last year not play very well at all. He had a bad year. People will say, well, he was banged up last year. Well, he's banged up now. You gonna come back? Is he gonna come back at an all pro level? And I just should expect that by the time we get him in week thirteen, week fourteen. No. Joe, what are we doing here? I, it's a simple cost-benefit analysis if you're the Jets because Rodgers is going to tie emotion to it. So to your point, other people have to be involved in this decision-making process because it's not going to be about emotion. Cost-benefit analysis. Let's talk about the potential benefits. Here you are as a franchise currently 4-4. Four and four. You are third in your division behind both Miami and Buffalo. It's not an advantageous spot to be in when you're trying to challenge for a divisional crown, but maybe there's a wild card. So let's take a look at the playoff picture. 16 teams in the AFC. You are currently the 11th seed. So yeah. you are on the outside looking in, my friend, of both your divisional crown potential and your wild card playoff potential. The quarterback that you're looking at who could come back, could being the operative word here, to possibly salvage your season and get you into the playoffs, turns 40 years old in 25 days, but he's 57 days removed from tearing his Achilles. His Achilles. Not from tearing like a glute muscle, which I don't know, all due respect to the gluteus maximus, but I'm not sure if you tear the glute on the left side. Maybe, maybe that butt cheek heals up in a few weeks and you're back out there. I don't know. But this is an Achilles. It's serious. So you're about to turn 40. Translation, you're getting up there. You're very, very recently off a major injury. Your team is on the outside looking in at everything. What's, what's, the, what's the benefit here? The benefit is maybe somehow, some way you backdoor a seven seed so that, just to be clear, you go on the road in the opening round and probably get, as of right now, either Baltimore or Kansas City. Baltimore in Baltimore or Kansas City at Arrowhead. Do you think going up against that Raven defense on the road in their house to open the playoffs is a good spot to be for a 40-year-old quarterback very recently off an Achilles injury behind that offensive line? No. Way too much risk here. When we're talking risk-reward, when we're talking cost-benefit, too much risk, too much cost for very little potential reward or benefit returning on that investment. So I I admire Rodgers for wanting to get back out there, but I I, I would not risk it if he's going to be your guy next year. No, and if I'm the Jets, I just cannot allow that to happen. And what I fear, I think they'll make the right decision here, Joe. But what I do fear is... They win a game or two here and there, and all of a sudden, you know, they're not just one of five teams in the AFC with four wins. Then, you know, they win five or six games. Hey, hey, let's do this. We, we could do this. Look around. Why not us? I'll tell you why not you. You're going to have a quarterback gimping all over the place, and you're not knowing if you can keep him healthy, and he hasn't played in forever. And then you've got the rest of that team. You're going to expect him to come back and save it. It's just unrealistic. If the if the owner, if Woody Johnson wants Aaron Rodgers back next year, and oh, he's God. relatively confident in the staff he has, he's got to get the general manager and the head coach in a meeting saying, look, you guys are safe. You're not coaching for your jobs. We're bringing you back next year. Give them that security so they know that they don't need to panic into a move with Rodgers this year. Get everyone aligned so that when Rodgers does try to come back, everyone from the owner to the front office to the coaching staff is saying, you know what? 
No, too much risk. We're all coming back next year. That's when we're going to make our run at it. But if Woody doesn't do something like that and you've got front office members or coaches potentially thinking their jobs aren't safe and they make a last-ditch desperation move like the Bears did trading up for Justin Fields, like you do something like that to try to save your job, that's when big mistakes end up happening with big consequences. We want you to be a part of Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776.ES. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. Carlin versus Joe just getting rolling on ESPN Radio and, of course, on TV on the ESPN app. You're welcome. It's decision day around the nation and for one major college football program. It's next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Nobody wants criticism or, you know, and that's why I work so hard to do everything right on and off the field. What's kind of been your reaction? Do you think that the conference needs to take action now, immediately, or? I'm thinking like most people in this room are hopefully thinking. I'll leave it at that. That part of it's kind of crappy, right? I just want everything to be fair. That's all I care about. I think I've already kind of covered this in terms of what we do and how we communicate to our players, to our team during games. But I'm going to leave it at that because less is more. Even in comments like that, you hear coaches actually saying more things than they usually would in this instance about what's going on at Michigan. And it's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Joseph, the thing about this with Michigan is 
it's continuing to extend out further and further, and I'm wondering how much longer the Big Ten's going to let this go. Michigan has until the end of the day today to respond to what the Big Ten has put forward in terms of evidence for any wrongdoing that they have in regards to sign stealing and doing it in person with electronic equipment and all of that, everything that has gone on. Connor Stallions is gone. He is uh, out of the University of Michigan. And, of course, Jim Harbaugh is just here and doing his thing as they get ready for Penn State this week. Before we get into this, let's listen to Heather Dinich for a moment, who, by the way, will join us later in the show to discuss, or here she is discussing this morning on where we stand with Michigan and where it could be going. Jim Harbaugh could be suspended as soon as this week with Ward Manuel staying back on campus to handle this instead of going to the CFP selection committee for his role there. This indicates that it's on the fast track. Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, has the authority to impose as many as a two-game suspension and up to $10,000 in a fine. If it's one game, if it's two games, when is it? They play Penn State this week. That's huge. And if the Big Ten goes down this path, I would expect Michigan to push back on it. Well, here's the thing, Joe. Like, all of that could happen, and it could be the most that they can do under this sportsmanship thing is two games. So I, I guess my question is here, what if you find out even more later on? What are you supposed to do? It feels like right now what we have is a bunch of evidence that shows Michigan's guilty. I think most people agree Michigan should be punished and is going to be punished. Big 10, NCAA, everyone dancing around as to who it's going to be and how it's going to be because no one really wants to deal with it. And then there's Michigan who understands what's coming and probably wants to stiff arm this thing until after the season so that they can continue to pursue a year in which they are currently your national championship favorites. That's what this is all about. None of this is about right and wrong. None of this is about the truth. None of this is about getting to the bottom of anything. Nothing about this is about accountability, leadership, culture. It's about none of that stuff. It's really just about... Uh, how does the penalty come at a time when it won't affect the people who have gone out and caused this problem to begin with? So if we're actually going to do something here, bring down the hammer now. Let's get this thing over with. Yeah, All right. The problem is if they if the Big Ten does it, it's still not over. Like Harbaugh did that self-imposed three-game suspension at the beginning right. of the year over the recruiting stuff, and the NCAA still hasn't ruled on that. Like yeah. they haven't said whether that's enough, and so. Even if the Big Ten does it here, you still have the NCAA investigation. Yeah, then push it to the end of the season. I don't want half measures. I don't want half measures. I don't want little rinky-dink uh, solutions that circumvent so that we can all avoid what's really going on here, right? The Big Ten getting in to make it seem like they're doing the right thing. Do the right thing or don't do the right thing. Get the hell out of the way with the half measures. Uh, for the NCAA, if it's going to take you forever to get involved, fine. We'll wait until after the season. But enough of the dog and pony show to try to convince everyone you're high, noble, and mighty, and you're doing the right thing when you're not. There's either doing the right thing or there isn't. 
I'm not here trying to preach the moral high ground, not by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, do it the right way or get the hell out of the way. Because I don't want to hear about a two-game suspension, but I don't know, do you take it now and miss Penn State or do you appeal and possibly take it later and you miss Ohio State? Like, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Punish them appropriately or don't punish them until later down the road. All this half-measure crap is just a waste of everybody's time. Uh, Okay, well, the punish them appropriately, they're – seemingly somewhat limited in what that could be based on what they have and all of that uh, pressure that's coming in to handle it now is coming from those other schools around the conference. And if if it's just the sportsmanship thing, like according to the bylaws, all they can do is two games right now. So it's, it's, it's a complete and utter mess. And there's one thing I can guarantee you. It is that the college football playoff committee is praying that Michigan loses between now and the end of the season. They are praying that that happens because they don't want to deal with it. They would much rather have Ohio State uh, win out and get into the college football playoff and be able to have their easy excuse to leave Michigan on the on the outside looking in. And frankly, I, I don't know that I blame them, Joe. I don't know I, that I blame them right now. I completely disagree. I think I think the committee absolutely wants Michigan in the dance. This Do you is, want this everybody is, talking about this throughout yes, the college football this playoff? Is, look, it's not that you want everyone talking about this. It's that you want everyone talking about this, and then you want them falling in the championship game. This is a, this is a TV show. First and foremost, this is all a TV show. It is an entertainment platform, and you need a good villain. We need a real good villain. And over the years, we've had, I mean, I don't think college, I don't think anyone does it the way college football does with the heroes and the villains. Yeah. All right. However you perceive Nick Saban, a lot of people, one of the great villains of all time, if you don't like Alabama. Harbaugh's always been a terrific villain, unless you're on his side. This story in the college football playoff is going to have Michigan and Harbaugh against the world. Everyone wanting to see them fall for what they've done. You take this story out of the equation, what are you left with? You're left with a hell of a product, don't get me wrong. You're going to get some good teams in there. But if it's Michigan versus Oregon, you want Michigan in there because people are going to watch, right? That's what made Stone Cold so great. That's what made The Rock so great. When they were villains, they were such great villains, people started rooting for them. They ended up becoming the good guys. Like it went from an era of good guy, bad guy in WWE to bad guy, worse guy because of those two and how they were so great in the villain role. That's what Harbaugh's got here. I think it's the ultimate ratings for Michigan. I don't think there's a team that could that could draw more interest in the playoff right now than Michigan. Do you agree? Uh, yes, but... Let's get lunch. The, but here's the thing that you're missing. Like, college athletics is so high and mighty in the leadership of it. Nobody likes looking stupid, even though so many times they continue to do it. Yeah, like and that's their that's their M.O., looking stupid. You and I <laughs> would want that. We want all of the hype and everything around it. Um, the networks, you know, ESPN, I think would certainly want that. Without because, a shadow of a doubt. Because people are watching. Absolutely, I get all of that. I don't think they want it. I... I've never met a more stuffy group of people than people, you know, with a couple of exceptions to people who work at the NCAA. Okay. I mean, it's, it's honestly like that. It is a, it is a high and mighty feeling to it of, you know, 
we're never wrong and we're never going to be stupid, even though we're going to have some of the dumbest rules that have ever existed. And so if I'm reading this right, listen, I would absolutely be with you in wanting Jim Harbaugh to drive out in a beer truck and spraying beer all over the Oregon football team, just like yes, Stone Cold did. Yes, sir. <laughs> we got it into the show. <laughs> all I can tell you is, I don't think it's going to happen, and I think this is getting dicier by the moment. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. The race for the top pick in the NFL may have gotten even more interesting than the race for the top seed for the playoffs with one decision that was made yesterday. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Jets, Darius, 40, 30, 20, 10, house call, touchdown, Chargers. Wilson is hit, and look at that, he's down, oh, had him by the jersey, Joey Bosa. We said it was his best game last week, no, it is this week. It's important to feed off of each other, and I think we played some complimentary football, and one of these days we're both going to get rolling. Doesn't feel like the Jets are going to get rolling offensively anytime soon on the other side. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. As we do each week, we welcome in Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst at this time. Jeff, let's just start here. Uh, in all those years of playing with Peyton Manning, did you ever once envision him interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger with a donkey being fed right in front of him at that point? I mean, boys, he's peaked. You know what I mean? We all thought he had peaked playing ball, and uh, what we've realized is He's peaked on his TV. I don't think. I mean, I think he needs to just shut down the the, the, the Manning cast. And uh, yeah, it was an epic moment. 
I think we all appreciate it. We all heard it uh, uh, and all appreciated every aspect of it. And uh, it made it made Peyton look much more handsome than he really is. And I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can improve from there. You know, Jeff, that was actually a pretty good donkey impression there. By the way, that was fantastic. <laughs> Jeff, we um we talked to Peyton a few weeks ago before the start of the season in the first Manning cast, and he he mentioned last night the Pro Bowl, of which you attended several with him, uh, maybe having too many Mai Tais by the pool, leading to a lot of interceptions in the game. When I was in San Francisco, I worked with Lorenzo Neal, who said one of the best things about going to the Pro Bowl was Peyton Manning, how he had this little trick where he'd find one of the rookies, one of the first one of the guys who had never been to a Pro Bowl before, he'd pull him aside, he'd tell him how great he is and how it's nice nice to meet him and how, Hey, you know, what room number are you? Uh, I'd love to come by later. Maybe talk about the future, things like that. <laughs> and the young guy gives the room number and then I'll leave it to you as to what would happen next. <laughs> yeah. Tab's on him, baby. Tab is on him. <laughs> and, and listen, when you think about me, it, it was the Hockley lounge that, that we uh, all frequented quite a bit while we were at the Pro Bowl. A lot of stories shared there. A uh, lot, lot of, a uh, lot of lies told, I think about how, how good we all were. Uh, but it was absolutely incredible time. I mean, listen, I, I could tell you some of my most memorable moments as a as a professional athlete. I'm sitting there with whether it was Zach Thomas or Ray Lewis, me and P, and you know, a group of guys talking about the games we had all just played and the memories of those guys of of you know how they how they went and get, how they attacked each other and you know all the different audibles and checks. Uh, and then to your point, Manning is uh, is famous for his. Uh, Pulling a guy's making him feel really good, man. It's just it's great to it's great for you to be here. You really earned this. You should have been here before. I'm gonna drop by. I'd love to just come hang out with you for a few minutes. And the next thing you know, uh, you know we're we're all having some some uh, toddies on this young fella. So a lot of fun to be had down down at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst. All right, let's get to the game last night. This may be a little bit harsh to ask, but. With the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, is the Jets' season worth saving for Aaron Rodgers later in the year? I'm not, I honestly, I think it's going to be where they are. You know, like can they can they Pittsburgh Steeler this thing and like find ways to stay at 500 or somewhere around there? It's not like Buffalo and Miami are really running away. Um, with the division right now. So if you can stay within striking distance, I think it's something that you talk about. If it's one of those where he's pushing it to the latter end of the season, maybe a game or two, you're out of it, I, I think, you know, better judgment would stand to say, hey, let's use him for next year. It, and it's it, unfortunately, we transitioned some, from some really fun times to uh, some really difficult times with the Jets. And, you know, it, it's just a – you look at their defense, you look at how these guys are playing, you tip your cap to them. Um, and, and here's the deal. Everybody's going to blame Zach Wilson for last night. The reality is their whole offense had an implosion. You know, you can't – Garrett Wilson can't fumble the ball on the sideline. You can't give up – you know, you can't give up sacks. You can't fumble the ball. Uh, too, too many errors. You can't give up six on special teams. Uh, just way too many errors. And they have to be mistake-free. Uh, and the other part, you, you can't throw the ball 60 times or close to it with Zach Wilson and expect to win. I mean, that's just not going to be a point. I know it got skewed because of the score, but at some point you, you got to get Brees Hall involved in these games and realize what you are and how you're going to ultimately win games. And so, um, yeah, look, it, it's, it's fun to, uh, to see Aaron and the progression he's made. You want to see a guy like that come back. 
but but I'd be hard pressed if you're not 500 or above. I think there's no chance I'd let him walk out on the field. You know, out west, Arizona started feisty this season. It's fallen apart a little bit later in the year. One win team in control of the driver's seat to the number one overall pick, and yet. They're planning to start Kyler Murray this weekend at quarterback, which would seemingly give them a better chance of winning. Now, you risk the injury to Murray and the contract stuff. You know everything that comes into play with this. Do you agree with the decision Arizona's making here? Uh, listen, I think it's a great decision. you, you got to know what you have in, in Kyler Murray. You have to understand you have a significant amount of money uh, given to him, and, and uh, you, know, you can't write him off because of an injury. And if, if this guy shows up and plays well – and you go, hey, this is our guy of the future, well, guess what? You can either, you know, trade that draft pick away for a number of draft picks. You maybe pick up a Marvin Harrison Jr. type player who's going to be a huge addition. Uh, I mean, there's so many different ways you can go, but I, I think it's the right call. I mean, you've, got, you've given the guy a significant amount of money, $200 million or something. Let's go let it roll. If, if he's healthy enough to play, you need to see what he is, uh, irrespective of, of where you end up in the draft market, because we all know if, if you got a good QB that you can build around, and that's what they have to figure out, Gannon and, and the crew have to figure out if this is the guy they want to build around. If not, uh, then, then you make an adjustment. But at this point, you got to play it. Jeff, great stuff. Just last one. Give me the largest number you ever saw Peyton stick a tab with somebody. Ooh, How much? Good one. <laughs> You, you, you never saw it. That was the greatest part. I mean, you, you saw the person who got caught with it turn 17 different shades of colors, So it, and, the, and the vomit hit their mouth as they had to choke it back down when they saw whatever it was. But let's just say in Hawaii, I think, I think, the, I think the drink started about $25 a pop. Yeah. Uh, so it cannot be cheap. You know, the burgers were like – I used to tell my kids, I was like, look – Y'all, ain't, y'all are sharing burgers, you know what I mean? The three, three of y'all split it. Y'all each get a third, uh, and that's a, typical, that's a typical burger price. So yeah, needless to say, wasn't nobody coming out of that thing scot-free. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Talk soon. Love you, fellas. Talk next week. Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst. That has got to be a shock to the system when you're scrolling through on the folio on your TV. All right, I'm going to check out here. 28 grand! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> think about that. They're all big boys. It's expensive. I, I would have to imagine if you're going to sit there for a few hours drinking $25 Mai Tais and there's five or six of you, the damage you could do racks up in a hurry. And, of course, you're going to tip generously. The, the resort probably has the tax built in, and then you're going to add on top of that. Are you familiar with a place called Dick's Last Resort? Of course. Yes, of course. Of course. So... One year uh, when I was working and producing, went to the Super Bowl and went out to Dick's Last Resort, and I remember turning in the receipt, and my boss grabs the receipt and says, who had the big-ass beer? I'm not paying for a big-ass beer. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, does, does Bill Belichick deserve to fix the issues he created in New England? One expert certainly thinks so. That's next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Snap to Jones. Washington brings forth pressure up the middle. Throws over the center of the field. That was popped up the air. Picked off. It is picked off. Quan Martin at the 32-yard line. And Washington's going to get a win in New England. 
it's frustrating and it's not on one person or one player at all. We're all in it together and I can throw a better ball. So I'll watch the film and see what I can do, fix my part. Just disappointing result. Just got to do a better job of making the plays and we have the opportunities to make them. You know, it's as simple as that. I don't really understand what the case would be for keeping Bill Belichick other than what he has achieved in the past. And Joe, to me, that is antithetical, goes against completely everything that Bill Belichick has ever stood for. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Please explain to me where that case would be at this point. They're sitting at two and seven. He assembled the team, and they're just not good all the way around. Yeah, I mean, that's the talking point right there. What's the case for bringing him back? If you're Robert Kraft and you have to sit down and say to yourself, all right, we got a big decision to make here. Is it going to be Belichick or is it going to be someone else? Well, we know the case for somebody else based on how the last three years have gone. What's the case for Belichick? What is the case right now to say we want him back because we feel he gives us the best chance to win? It doesn't feel like you're a season away. You made a good point yesterday when talking about the direction of the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins feel like maybe in one year's time, they could find themselves at the top of the AFC. Maybe they do it this year, but they haven't won the big game. So maybe it just takes this year of seasoning and next year they're ready. New England's not in that situation. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. You're devoid of weapons on offense. Defensively, you're, you're good. You're not elite. But you're good. You've lost a bunch of games this year. So what would be the case? Because if you're going to commit to Bill, you can't commit for one year. One year's not going to matter. You have to commit to another three years. And is that what you want to do? You want three more years of Belichick running things? You just gave him three years post-Brady. It didn't go very well. So I would like to know what is the case for keeping Belichick? Because I don't know if it's all that compelling at this point, Carlin. Well, here's RG3 trying to make that case this morning on Get Up. I think he's earned the right to not just finish the season, but also to fix what the problems that he's actually created. We all know that without Brady, he's 81 to 95 as a head start, as a head coach. But for me, this is a bigger question about the Patriot way. If Bill Belichick gets fired or resigns after this year or in the future, the Patriot way dies with him. Because what we've seen is that players don't respond the same way that they did when he first got into coaching. Yeah. They, they respond to a different type of stimulus. So I want to respect Bill Belichick in the fact that what he has done and what he has brought to this game has changed it forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we've seen his assistants go off and not have that same success. And once he's done in New England, the Patriot way dies with him. Well, let's, cl- let's be clear on a few things, though. The, the, that's fine. The Patriot way worked for 25 years. So... That's a hell of a run that is unprecedented in the National Football League. When I look at Belichick right now, it's undeniable that sometimes it's just time. And it's clear that it's time for him to move on from New England, for New England to move on to him. Uh, Because the Patriot way has always been, we're going to maximize what is right in front of us, Whatever you've done in the past does not mean anything to us. And if we need to move on to continue to progress and be better around Tom Brady, and ultimately that caught up with Tom Brady as being part of it, then we're going to move on from you a year sooner rather than later. So all of that, if that's the Patriot way, 
Why are we not treating the architect of the Patriot way the same way? You know, I almost feel like, Joe, that Bill Belichick would be insulted if he wasn't a part of this, too, in the way they've done things. Like, like Bob, Bob, yeah. I, for two decades I've shown you this. How have you not fired me yet? <laughs> no, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Like I do. Yeah, th- it's like, no, respect the process that we've put together here, and if you really want to keep it going, eh, I, I don't know that I could blame them if we wanted to move on from each other. I mean, it applies to this situation, which is why I always say it, but you either die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain, and that's what's happening with Belichick in New England. To RG3's point, I, I hear what he's saying about giving him a chance, but there's a more important integral part to that that he didn't explain. How long is that chance? If you say Belichick has has deserved, has earned the right to come back and try to fix this, what happens if they start one and eight next year? Are you yeah. now thinking, you know what? He couldn't get it done. He's gone. So you're telling me then in that scenario, you're really only giving him one more year. And if you're only giving him one more year, what's the point? You're not really a year away from fixing this whole thing. The quarterback position is an issue. Offensively, you have several issues across the board. Defensively, you're not great enough. So you're, you're, you've got to say to yourself, it's easy to say bring him back. How long are you bringing him back for? That's the question. If he's coming back, you got to sit there and say, Bill, we're going to give you three years. We're going to give you three years to turn this thing around. I'm not going to meddle. I trust you based on everything you've done. You've got three years. And then Belichick has as much birth as you could possibly ask for to go out there and get something done. There's no way to complain or or point fingers or make excuses. You've got plenty of time. Three years post-Brady and now another three years. But if you're going to say, let's bring him back and it's a one-year thing and if it goes south, he's gone, you're wasting the year. You either make a big commitment or you make no commitment. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Now, as far as Bill's concerned, there are still places around the league that would be a fit for him to go to re to not even reestablish, in some cases, just flat out establish credibility for a franchise. Like if the Chargers had that situation where Belichick was more than willing to come to them, they they should absolutely do it. There's no question they should do it. You know, I would argue that a team like the Raiders should probably do it because they've been a rudderless ship. The teams that you can look around and say they have not had that true credibility to them need to at least establish a foundation with somebody. Direction, identity. There are franchises that need a new, like you look at New Orleans. New Orleans can't keep going with Dennis Allen. It's not going to take him anywhere. Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay. Frank Reich possibly in Carolina. Like there's a lot of situations where change needs to happen or should be on the precipice of happening. We're still talking about Chicago. The franchises that have long since been wayward. The Chargers are a great one that we talked about a few weeks ago because if you want credit, nobody takes you serious. Like the yeah. Chargers won last night, but the story isn't they won. The story is that the Jets are just inept on offense. Nobody takes the Chargers serious. The Chargers might be the biggest joke in the NFL. You know, people say Chargers going to Charger. Up oh, there they go. They're charging again. That's what you're viewed as. You don't own your stadium. You're you're paying rent to another NFL team to live in their city and play in their stadium. There's nothing serious about them. And as a result, the franchise, you know, that's a big part of the reason why they never win because they don't take themselves seriously. Belichick changes that. Belichick would change that in Washington, another organization that for decades under Daniel Snyder just 
wasted year after year after year because they couldn't get out of their own way. These are organizations that could really benefit from a guy who has the gravitas that Belichick has. Come in, immediately command respect, put a plan together, get people to buy in. That's what you need. You need organization within an organization, believe it or not. It would never happen, but you know what would be amazing? The Jets. (laughs) He'd never go back, but boy, to stick it to Bob Kraft, maybe. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.